Welcome to Faith, Family, and Training, hosted by Bill Rapier. This is a previously recorded sermon. The title of this morning's message is Faith Without Works is Dead, slash, what does faith, saving faith looks like, look like? So are we justified by grace through faith, or are we justified by our works, or are we justified by a combination of faith and works? At my former job, we would sometimes start a briefing with something that we called the bluff or the bottom line up front, just in case you were only paying attention at the very beginning of it. So the bluff for this sermon is that we're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone, and that saving faith will manifest good works in our lives. This morning, we're going to examine a passage in James that many people have used to claim that our saving faith is earned or that maybe God starts to save us, but we still have to perform some good works in order to actually be saved. Uh, when we look at this passage and then look at the Bible as a whole, we will see that this passage in James is talking about what saving faith actually looks like, right? Faith without works is dead. So if we have, as Christ followers, have saving faith, there will be good works coming from our lives. Um, so let's bow our heads and pray, and then we'll jump into our passage. Heavenly Father, Lord, you're so good to us. Lord, you're so holy, you're so mighty, you're so far above us, Lord. Lord, we just want to acknowledge that. We want to lift you up this morning. Pray that you would open our hearts to your word. Lord, help us to understand it, and not just understand it um, intellectually, Lord, but to um, just let it marinate through our whole, through our mind, our body, our soul, Lord, that we would be changed by your word, that we would not just be hearers, but that we would be doers of the word. Lord, uh, I just pray that we would be encouraged this morning, that we would be sharpened, that we would be convicted, um, and that you would be glorified in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so turn with me, please, to James chapter 2, and we're going to be starting in uh, verse 14. So faith without works is dead. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body what good is that so faith by itself if it does not have works is dead but someone will say you have faith and i have works show me your faith apart from your works and i will show you my faith by my works you believe that god is one you do well even demons believe and shudder do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. You see that a, a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way, was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by a different way? For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. 
So there's a lot of meat in this passage. Um, as we work through these verses, please keep the title of this sermon in mind, right? Faith without works is dead. And what does saving faith look like? So let's jump in. Starting with verse 14. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? The short answer is no. So hold on a sec. I, I just said we're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. So how is this consistent now with saying that faith without works cannot save you? So to answer this, let's take a step back. How are we saved? Right, we come up, we say the sinner's prayer. Jesus, please forgive me for my sins. Come into my life. Um, so if you're sincere when you pray that, and then you go on living your life the same way you did before your conversion, are you really a Christian? Right, I, I would say no. Um, I believe that this superficial Christianity is one of the greatest heresies of our time. How many cultural Christians are not listening to the convicting power of the Holy Spirit because they said a prayer? They said a formula of words, checked a box, got their fire insurance, and then go on living the same way they did before their supposed conversion. Um, if you are a believer, there will be works in your life. Matthew 7, 6, or, yeah, 7, 16 through 20 says, You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but a diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. So if you are a believer, a Christ follower, you will bear spiritual fruit. You will have good works in your life. So to circle back to verse 14, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works, can that faith save him? Again, the answer is no, because if there are not works coming out of your life, you do not have saving faith to begin with. Continuing on in, uh, in verse 15. If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Okay, here James is using an example of seeing a fellow believer, right, a brother or sister in Christ, in physical need and not doing anything about it. If your faith does not lead you to change your actions, you do not have saving faith. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. If we are indeed new creations in Christ, then we must, that there must be change in our lives. Right? Our lives are not our own. We were bought with a price. 1 Corinthians 19.20 says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. If you are a believer, then the Holy Spirit is in you. 
and you will glorify God with your body, which means glorifying God by your actions. Continuing with verse 18, but someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. True faith will have an outpouring of works. Are you a man, a woman, a kiddo, a teenager of a lot of words? Or is there action and deed and substance behind your claimed beliefs? Right? The world hates the hypocrite. When we proclaim Christ and deny him with our lifestyle, we are bringing shame on ourselves and dishonoring the work of the cross. We are supposed to work on our faith, right? Not by our own power, but by the power of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 9, 25 through 27 says, Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be qualified. So here Paul is using uh, an example of, of, of an athlete, right? So I'm going to use the example of a wrestler. Uh, if you're a wrestler, you have to be disciplined, right? If you want to succeed, there's diet, there's weight training, there's drilling, um, there's hydration, there's mental focus, mindset, right? If you're a wrestler, that's what you have to do. If you're a believer, you need to practice spiritual disciplines, right? We need to read God's word. We need to pray. We need to be obedient to God, right? We need to love God. We need to love others. We need to memorize scripture. We need to do Bible time with ourselves, with our wives. We need to lead our families, right? In devotions, right? If you are a believer, you should be doing those things. Philippians 2.12 says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Right? We are called to work in our faith. When a believer is producing good works in his or her life, it is because they are a new creation in Christ. The good works are not earning their way to salvation. You do not become more worthy when you produce good works in your life, right? You're not more worthy of salvation when you're doing good works. When you do good works, you are simply being obedient to what God has commanded us to do. Continuing on verse 19. You believe that God is one. You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Right, so the devil and all the demons know who the one true God is. They know that the resurrection happened. They know that God is all-powerful, but they do not accept his authority. Right, so simple intellectual head knowledge is not the same as saving faith. You must believe, repent, and make Jesus Lord of your life in order to be saved. Acts 3.19 says, Repent, therefore, Turn back that your sins may be blotted out. Right? To repent is to be sorry for the things that you've done. Right? To be sorry for having broken God's law. Right? 
to be moving one direction and then to repent is to turn and move the opposite direction because you've realized this was the, I was going the wrong way, right? I was doing the wrong things. I'm sorry for that. Now I'm going to turn around. I'm not going to do the same thing anymore. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, one believes and is justified and with the mouth, one confesses and is saved. So confessing Jesus is Lord, right? That word Lord comes to us from the Greek word kurios, which is translated as Lord or master. So if you're going to call Jesus Lord or Master and be sincere about it, it means turning over our own sovereignty, right, and submitting our sovereignty fully to God. At different times in Roman history, subjects of Rome were required to offer a pinch of, uh, a pinch of incense to Caesar and proclaim Kaiser Curios, right, or Caesar is Lord. And Christians wouldn't do this because... Christians know that Jesus is Lord, right? In Roman times, that could have meant financial hardship, starvation, or death. Um, So just think about what it meant for early believers to say Jesus is Lord uh, the next time you make that statement in your life. Continuing on in verse 20, do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? So this is a hard one right here. A surface level reading of this might lead you to believe that James is saying that Abraham was justified by his works. But it it cannot mean that. Why? Well, because the Bible in Genesis 15, 6 says, And he believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. Right? It's talking about Abraham. This took place many years before Abraham's willingness in obedience to sacrifice his son. Right, Two verses later in the same passage that we're going through, James will quote this passage. Right, Time and time again, the Bible teaches us that we are justified by faith and not by works. Some examples, Romans 3.28, For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Ephesians 2.5, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Romans 11.6, but if it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. We believe that the Holy Scripture is the only sufficient, certain, and infallible rule of all saving faith, knowledge, Sorry. Start over. We believe that the Holy Scripture is the only sufficient, certain, and infallible rule of all saving knowledge, faith, and obedience. Right? That is the opening line of the 1689 London Baptist Confession, right? which we're going through right now with the, with the Father-Son crew. Um, so if we believe that the, the Scripture is infallible, then we cannot believe that God is contradicting himself. Right? We have to take this passage as meaning that there is no real faith without works. He is making the point that Abraham's faith was so strong 
that he trusted that God would raise his son even if he did sacrifice him. Right? Hebrews 11, 17 and 18 says, By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promise was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, Through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. Right? So the Bible is very clear that Abraham's justification came by his faith. Continuing with verse 22. You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed. I'm sorry. Yeah, and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. So true faith will have works. True faith will be shown to be genuine by your works. But the works themselves do not save us. This is why James quotes from Genesis here, right? Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness, right? These are not opposing things right here. These are things working together. As we stated, Abraham's faith and justification happened years before his work of obedience and willingness to sacrifice his son. Continuing on with verse 24. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. So I've listened to a good amount of Catholic Protestant debates now on the nature of justification. And the Catholic side loves to point out that the only time the Bible says faith alone, it has the word not in front of it. Um, however, when we look at the Bible as a whole, you cannot come away believing that our works gain us salvation, right? When we look at the entirety of the Bible, we have to conclude that we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone, and that our saving faith will produce good works in our lives. Verse 25, And in the same way was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. Right, the contrast between Abraham and Rahab. Abraham, the father of the nation of Israel, and Rahab, a prostitute from Jericho. Right, these two people come from different tribes, different parts of the world, and completely different social statuses. They could not be further apart from each other in the eyes of the world. What do they have in common? Right, God's sovereign grace in choosing and redeeming his people. Right, both have a genuine faith. And from that genuine faith comes works. God even uses both Abraham and Rahab as part of the lineage of Jesus. Right? The works are not justifying them. Their faith has done that. They are merely walking in the calling that God has for them. Right? Verse 26. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. So just as you cannot have a living body without a soul, so likewise you cannot have faith without works. You cannot divorce faith from works. If you have faith, you will have works. If there's no works in your life, you need to examine your faith and test and see if your faith is genuine. 
to circle back to the, the title of this morning's message, right? Faith without works is dead. And what does saving faith look like? Faith without works is dead. That is a statement of fact, not a question, right? Or something to be glossed over or shied away from or Martin Luther say about James, right? It's an epistle of straw. He didn't like it. He thought it was too, emphasized works too heavily, right? We shouldn't do that, right? We, we can't look at them as opposing things, right? And we can't look at them as synergistically either. They're not both. It's not that I have to do both in order to be saved. That's if I'm saved, if I have saving faith, I will have works in my life. Um, the other side of this, what does saving faith look like? Saving faith looks like believers walking in obedience to Christ. The process of Jesus sanctifying us, right? Becoming more like Christ each day until we are in glory with him. Now, please hear me on this. Do not misunderstand, okay? As believers, we do mess up in sin, right? Our lives are not always an outpouring of good works. There may even be seasons in your life where you are not seeing fruit. And if that is the case in your life, turn back to Christ, right? Repent, right? Repent for not being obedient to Him. If you are feeling guilty or convicted right now, this is not my doing, it is the work of the Holy Spirit. So do not ignore that still small voice that is telling you to turn back to Christ. James 1, 22 through 25 says, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forget what he, forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. All right? Be doers of the word, and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. All right? Brothers and sisters, please do not deceive yourself. All right? Let's be doers of the word. Let us as Christ followers turn over every sin, every selfish, selfish ambition, Every desire, every lust, every bit of pride and arrogance, and the list goes on, right? Do you guys have the list in your minds of the things that you're battling? Think about those things, and then turn it all over to God, right? Christ has paid the penalty. The battle is won. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For our sake he made him to be that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Christ has taken the punishment that we deserve and paid for it, right? In light of this most amazing of all gifts, how can we do anything other than follow him with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength? So this morning, if you've never heard the gospel, uh, that was a little bit longer version of the gospel, but to, to, to sum it up a little bit, right? God created all things, Right? Everything that we see here, God thought it into existence, right? God created the first man and the first woman, Adam and Eve. They lived in a perfect place called Eden. They had one rule, don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And they chose to disobey God, right? They chose to sin, right? That sin separated them from God. We are there, we are Adam and Eve's descendants, right? We have a sinful nature inherently in us, right? It is part of our nature, um, God could have just said, nope, starting over. Could have just 
destroyed all of us. Um, but God loves us, right? So God made a way for us to be right with him, right? Because God could not just gloss over the sin that is in our lives. Because uh, God is righteous, right? And God is just, and he has to punish sin, right? If we think about a, you know, a person commits a heinous crime and goes before the judge, and the judge just says, oh, you know what? Just don't worry about it. Well, no, never mind. Just we'll sweep that one under the carpet. Right? We would not look at that judge as a righteous judge or a just judge. Right? And God is the same way. Right? So God made a way for us to be right with him, and he did that by sending his own son. Right? His son who died on right, who was born of the Virgin Mary, right? Lit was fully God and fully man was tempted in every single way that you and I are tempted, but did not sin, right? So Jesus lived the life that we couldn't live. And then he also paid the penalty on the cross that we couldn't pay, right? So that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, right? And believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we'll be saved, right? That is the gospel and it is the most the most the most amazing thing there is right there's nothing there's no gift better than that um philippians 3 12 through 14 says not that i have already obtained this or i'm already perfect but i press on to make it my own because christ jesus has made me his own brothers i do not consider that i have made it my own But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Jesus Christ. So my my exhortation this morning, repent. Turn to Jesus, right? Be serious about your faith. Be doers of the word. Follow Christ with such a passion and obedience um, the good works overflow from your life. 